0: Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, I'll bring on some experts, we'll talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Beth Arrett, an association evangelist with over 25 years experience in marketing and member engagement, and I'm so happy you're here. Now let's start the show. Welcome back to the Member Engagement Show. In this week's podcast, we're going to be sharing a chat between our former host, Alex Mastriani, and HireLogic account manager, Nancy Hallback They talked about some important issues around accessibility and compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act for Associations. We always love hearing from you, so send us your thoughts over on HUG or on this episode's LinkedIn post. But for now, let's listen into the conversation.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Member Engagement Show. Today, I have one of the newest members of the HireLogic team joining me, Nancy Hallbeck, and she is going to take us on a non-technical dive into the Americans with Disabilities Act and what some things you might be able to do at your organization are to help make your association more accessible to your members. Hey, Nancy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me so excited to chat with you today. Uh, Why don't you introduce yourselves to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about your role here at HireLogic and um, how did you get into accessibility?
2: Yeah, sure. That's a great place to start. So a little background on myself. I have worked in staff solutions for the last almost decade. Um, So I have worked with local and state level government up until this point. And I've been with HireLogic a little bit over a month. So I'm Definitely still green, um, but very excited to be here, very excited to kind of switch over and work with associations. My background with accessibility started back in 2019. So I've been in it for what feels like a long time now, because every year since then has been really nuts. Um, But a few years ago, I started getting a lot of phone calls from um, my clients at the time who were uh, cities and counties. Uh, across the country, and they were asking me about the ADA. They were saying, hey, is, is our software accessible? Is our website accessible? And I had no idea where this was coming from. It was very left field for me and a very unfamiliar territory in conversation at that time. But little had I known, there was really a wave of lawsuits that were happening across um, government entities of non-accessible websites. And so a lot of our clients were curious if that was going to affect them as well. At that time, I had initially started forwarding emails to marketing and I was like, can someone else, you know, assist with this? (laughs) Um, But it became so heavily, you know, part of our our client conversations that um, I really wanted to dive in on my own. Uh, So on the side of work, I decided to look into the ADA a little bit more and what I could do to... Um, help my clients, but also be an ally. So at that point, I started my certification process to become an ADA coordinator.
1: That's amazing. And definitely something that stuck out. I know when we have new employees here at HireLogic, we sort of go on like a listening tour (laughs) with different folks around the company. And when I was chatting with you and found out about this um, accessibility background, it's very interesting. And like you said, it's very ingrained in so many things that Our customers and you know those associations and their members are um, dealing with on a day to day basis, so it's it's really just top of mind for a lot of organizations right now. Um, Let's just take a quick step back and just define a little bit what the ADA is.
2: Yeah, that's a great place to start. So the ADA is the Americans with Disability Act of 1990, which you you previously mentioned. Um, It's a civil rights law that prohibits any type of discrimination based on disability. So it really is ingrained as you mentioned in every part of society it's not just online solutions it goes into employment and um just a lot of other areas so it's going to be the law that really protects that community
1: with this interest that you took um you know sort of on the side of your your job a couple of years ago um tell us more about that journey what has that been like
2: it has been wild um it started <laughs> out with you know, I was doing a lot of the initial training courses on the side to um, get certified. That process is fairly lengthy. Um, you take quite a bit of courses. You go to a lot of conferences. But it was it was pretty amazing. It was definitely an area I would never um, dove into before, and it was never really a true area of interest um, to begin with, just because I haven't been exposed to it. But once I started getting my feet wet, having conversations with Um, some of the instructors and even members of the disabled community, it became very clear that there was a need for allies and there was also um, a need for just a deeper knowledge, especially at software companies, um, as obviously tech is is taking off. So it was um, a lot faster pace than I had expected. I thought maybe I'll leisurely do this on the side. But once my clients found out, they were hungry to learn more, too. So I quickly wrapped up that certification and uh, started doing a lot of different work with my clients that wasn't necessarily in the original scope of my job. Um, I started hosting virtual user groups that turned to in-person user groups um, that turned into live webinars for very large uh, state level associations that were not even our clients. Um, so it, oh. it snowballed pretty dramatically. Uh, we were able to compile new consulting offerings at my previous company um, around accessibility, which was um, just a really huge, huge involvement, I think, from various different departments. So it became very quickly a, a part of my day to day, kind of part of who I am as an employee and um, just as a person.
1: I have definitely noticed, you know, the past handful of years as well, just the the interest that our customers have had, and you know, how do I make my community more accessible? Like, what what things do I need to be aware of? Even with you know vir- hosting virtual events and stuff last year, mm-hmm. um, that was that came up more and more. What are some of the most commonly asked questions that you get?
2: I think a lot of the questions that I have heard come from a space of, like, really wanting to learn and know more, but they're almost always worded incorrectly, which just goes to show the lack of educational resources that people have had access to to learn more about this. So, a lot of what I hear is, you know, is my website accessible? Is my portal accessible? And accessibility is not really a yes or no. It's very much a spectrum, Mm -hmm. you know, whether your system is highly compliant or if if it's at a low level of compliancy. Um, So I think a lot of it is just the questions that I hear are just based around, please tell me if I'm passing or failing. And um, (laughs) it's a lot deeper than that. But there's so many small steps that you can take that will get you comfortable with having those conversations and asking the right questions, I think, to eventually get those answers they're looking for.
1: Yeah, I love how you just noted that it's a spectrum. It's not a yes or no answer. Mm -hmm. And it's I I would assume, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but an ongoing thing um, that it's not just like a one-time only, you know, activity or task that you take on. It's something that you need to be considering with everything that you do, with every program that you run, with every um, new tool that you introduce to members, whatever it may be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that's one of the main things that gets lost in accessibility is you know, maybe one year you score really high and you've got, you know, really compliant um, web presence, but then maybe you hire someone new who's never had to add alternative text or page description, Mm -hmm. and you can very quickly um, change your score to be at a lower level. And it's something that, you know, anyone who is at your organization who's involved with adding content or changing content or adding, you know, events, things like that, every single touch that goes, to your portal online is going to affect kind of that spectrum. So yes, it's absolutely ongoing, especially as technology changes, you might, you might mm-hmm. think that you have a handle on it with certain tools, but then the tech industry rolls out something new, or, you know, then there's AI and, um, you kind of have to start all over again, but the good thing about it, even though it sounds a little stressful is that at the end of the day, accessibility is all about people. And mm-hmm. you are providing tools and resources uh, that are accessible to every person in your community, and that, you know, that kind of speaks for itself.
1: Yeah, and that's really powerful, showing that you're there for your members in any way that you need them, mm-hmm. um, in any way they need to access you. So let's talk a little bit about this um, spectrum of accessibility. Um, because I know there's a lot that involves that's involved, especially with web accessibility. Mm-hmm. So personally, I am not a very technical person. How would you explain to someone like me what they would, you know, want to get started with if they are thinking about web accessibility? That's
2: a great question. So I think first we all need to take a second and just breathe because it it <laughs> sounds scary. And I think that's why a lot of organizations don't. Sometimes shy away from it entirely and don't really dive in um, because the web is a big place uh, and putting content out there. You you want to make sure that it's accessible and legal and all of those things. Um, so I, I would say first just take a step back and realize that it's a lot of small steps that get you to a good a good place. Um, we'll provide some resources after the podcast I believe as well. But there's a lot of great free resources online that the ADA provides to the public um, to get you a little bit more educated. So I think just learning some of the language, learning some of the the slogan that goes along with accessibility is going to help you understand the content better when you see it. So if you go online and you type in tools to make my website accessible, you're probably going to get a lot of words that you're not familiar with using. So if you can research some of those ahead of time, as you start to put those sentences together, it's gonna seem a lot less scary and a little bit more understandable for you. Um, So first, I would always recommend just checking out any of the free resources that are online. There's a ton, (laughs) there really is. And then second to that, I would find an advocate um, of the accessibility area, I suppose, of the entire um, community of the ADA. There's a lot of free ones of those online too. There's folks who do mentorships. There's people who will look at your website for free. There's people you can just talk to and ask questions. And we can always provide different resources around those. But I would try and get someone in your corner that can help you um, as you have questions along the way.
1: Because there will be questions, I'm sure. And there's probably going to be questions, more questions from within the organization. So this is another thing that you know we hear from customers, prospects, anyone who's considering, you know, making a change at an association and introducing something new, um, that you have to get buy-in, or you have to talk about it um, with members of the, whether it's your manager or your the executive team or the board, maybe. How if you understand, you know, someone's listening to this podcast, they understand the importance of why they want to take some steps to make sure that they're. Being more accessible to members on the web, um, but know they need to make some changes. How how should they go about getting the, um, the buy in or introducing? Not even maybe there isn't a lot of convincing that has to be done, but they have to introduce accessibility to other internal teams without scaring them away because maybe it seems like it's it's a big undertaking.
2: Yeah. So one of the things I did with my clients at that time back in. 2019, 2020, um, because what they were really doing is they were trying to learn more from me, so they could go back to their staff and say, "Here are the ten things you need to do to get us to a better space with with being accessible." One of the most important things I think I shared with them at that time were statistics of the disabled community that spoke to them individually. So maybe looking up the stats of, uh, you know, the percentage of your local population um, that has a disability, or learning about, you know, the, the percentages in your industry, and kind of sharing those statistics so you can really put a person to behind that number. Um, if you say that 13% of your city has a disability, well, how many people is that? Um, you know, that might be three, five, ten thousand 10,000 people, individual people that have issues. Um, so I think if you can share with them some of the statistics around it, it really helps them just very naturally want to improve
1: mm-hmm. on
2: behalf of those people. So that's a really great way to introduce it: is to to bring out things that will speak to that team, that are not technical, that do not seem like another task on their plate, that does not seem like a, a new initiative internally that now you have to, you know, pile on top of your daily work, um, but just say, hey. We have got to get better at this. There are 13,000 individuals in our city who really want to use our services and might not be able to because of the way that we have positioned them. Um, And that seems to speak volumes.
1: Yeah, that could be really powerful. Adding the you know human or personal element behind it when you show them how it affects your exact member base or customer base.
2: Certainly, and you can do that over time. Um, Because accessibility is always changing, it's going to be something that you're focusing on all the time. Um, It doesn't have to be a topic that you cram into one month or um, into one week of training. You can really approach it in a more uh, phased approach. So you can do lunch and learns every couple of months. You can do um, some different hands-on tasks, you know, maybe once a week. So it can be something that you just very naturally integrate into your organization's life in their day-to-day work that eventually it'll stop seeming like an additional initiative and it will just feel like this is part of what we do.
1: I love that. So in terms of physical action, what could an organization do to get started with accessibility?
2: Sure. So there are some fairly non-technical routes you can take, and then there's a little bit more technical. So one of the things... <laughs>
1: Let's start with non-technical.
2: <laughs> that's great, because that's where I started um, a few years ago when I had <laughs> no idea what was, what was going on. One of the best things you can do is run your your website or your platform through a screen reader. So even if you just pop it into one of the free browsers, um, you can see how many errors are on your, on your website. And that just gives you an idea of how much you're working with. Um, it might be a lot. It might be a little. It might be repetitive throughout the website. So... If you, you know, for instance, have a logo on every page that doesn't have alternative text, that's going to show up as maybe 500 uh, errors, but it could just be one fix that you do across the board. So it gives you a good idea of how much lift is going to be in getting you to a better level of compliance. To begin with, that's always my favorite because those are those are free tools as well. And then, of course, if you're working with a vendor, you can always reach out to that vendor and say, hey, what are you guys doing on the accessibility front? I think any really good partnership, they'll be transparent and say, hey, we're working on this or we are rolling this out. Um, Here's kind of a timeline and at least share with you what their journey looks like
1: cool yeah it's it's definitely helpful to know that you have a partner in this and really just help you help guide you maybe or provide a little bit of a timeline in terms of what you can expect
2: definitely and i think from a technical yeah. aspect um one of my favorite things to do are hackathons so if you have oh. folks that like to break things um you could always <laughs> do one of those where you you put together a team of of you know your technical staff and say hey I want you to go out and try and run these through screen readers or try to find if there's any non-accessible PDF and have them kind of play around with that. Um, but it's really going to help the initiative as a whole. And it does give them some time away from maybe that that day-to-day work that they have to do.
1: Um, another thing that I think we had talked about, I can't remember if it was earlier in this podcast or when we talked um, the other day, uh, you, you mentioned an accessibility statement and that that's something that you've seen organizations put together to provide to their community just about you know their stance on making their programs, their their digital presence, whatever it may be accessible. Can you talk a little bit more about what goes into an accessibility statement?
2: Yeah, for sure. I actually rewrote Uh, My last company's one after I got certified. So it's an area that's pretty near and dear to me. Um, And it's a really easy addition. So really what the whole thing comes down to with accessibility is is one, it is people, right? So it's not just Mm -hmm. trying to get software passing a grade. You're really trying to help and and affect people's lives. Um, And secondly, is that everyone just wants you to work on it. It's it's when you're not doing any work for it and you're not putting in any effort is when you really start to get a sour reputation. An accessibility statement is proof that you are working towards something even if you don't have it completed. And you can change that statement over time as your company or organization initiatives change as well. So basically what would be in a, a, a basic accessibility statement would be, a list of browsers that your system works best in. Obviously you would go test that and you would test it with each screen reader and just see which one kind of comes out the best. Which one does it render best in? And you can even check that for mobile too. So you would give out a recommended list of browsers. Always having a contact that they can reach out to if they aren't able to to access some of the content. Maybe there's a video that doesn't have closed captioning on it or Um, Maybe there's some pictures that aren't showing the alternative text. Who can they reach out to? Um, If there's not a contact, even if it's just an email, they're not going to have any success with your your system. So if you can have someone that they can always reach out to, whether it's via phone or email, I highly recommend both um, just because if it is someone from the disabled community, you want to make sure that you are catering to the potential of them not being able to email or not being able to put in a phone call. Um, if you can have some contact information in there. And then also you can put in a statement about what you guys are doing. So maybe it's an organizational initiative to have all PDFs accessible in the next four years. That might seem like a really long project for you guys and maybe even something that you're not super proud of, but it does show that you're putting forth effort. So if you wanna say, Mm -hmm. hey, all of the PDFs on this site, um, you know, from 2019 to 2020 are accessible. From twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two those will be accessible you know on x date um, that's just showing initiative and that's that's completely fine, so including any of those things that you guys are doing as a team is going to really improve that accessibility statement.
1: It really is that extra layer of we see you, we care we're we're doing our best uh, to to the community. Who have you seen um, within an organization sort of own? that statement?
2: Funny enough, I have met with hundreds of organizations on accessibility and rarely is it the ADA coordinator that they hired. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A lot of the time, if an organization has an ADA coordinator, which is fairly rare to begin with, they're usually focused on employment or building codes or some of the more physical aspects of the ADA. Um, They might take on the web portion, but there's a good chance that they don't. Um, it can be anyone that feels comfortable taking it. I think that's a big part okay. of accessibility is. Are you comfortable speaking to it? Do you understand the importance of it? And are you actively working towards a better future for this? So it could be someone in IT if, if that person is, is comfortable um, and is also working on that initiative, but it might, might also be like a chief information officer or a public information officer. Um, it could be really anyone who wants to own it and would be comfortable having those conversations.
1: This has been such a helpful conversation, Nancy. <laughs> um, I feel like I've learned so much about how to talk about accessibility. Um, and I hope our listeners too have, have found that this is a, a topic that they might want to open up at their associations um, and start, you know, maybe testing some things out to see, see where they might want to get started. If you were to give... You know, one last piece of advice to anyone out there who's interested but maybe a little unsure of how to dive in, what would you say?
2: You know, I would say to take it slow, but make sure you do it. Um yeah. you know, it's, it's a marathon, it really is, because it's going to be part of our lives forever. And it's truly what some people's lives are made up of. There are people who need mm-hmm. to use online tools, especially as just society goes more online. Um, it's not an option for them to go into offices a lot of the time anymore, especially with COVID. So take the baby steps, find some resources online, find some people who can be part of that team with you, who can be in your corner and just start testing some things. Look at some screen readers, uh, check out some different accessibility statements. Most websites have them um, and find out where you're comfortable starting. And I think once you, you know, Make a few steps in the right direction, you'll get a lot more comfortable with the topic um, to where you want to take on more. so you know take your time, but make sure that you dive in
1: and of course, the more accessible your organization can be, the more engaging and uh, meaningful your relationships will be mm-hmm. with your members. but um this is the member engagement podcast after all, do you have a member what's your your biggest member engagement tactic or your favorite member engagement tactic that's related to accessibility?
2: Um, I would probably revert back to the statistics. I absolutely love yeah. showing um, communities how much of their community needs them uh, to, mm-hmm. to really move forward on this front, I think. And, and a lot of the time, I'm surprised by the numbers. Um, so it's pretty telling. Uh, and you can also find resources not only about you know how many folks are disabled but if you just go on the census you can also find what types of disabilities those are so you can start to determine is it is it easier or is it is it more effective for us to start with maybe closed captioning um, over alt text or things like that because you can actually see the level of disabilities that um, some of your local uh, neighbors have so,
1: Thank you so much for joining us today, Nancy. Um, if anyone has any follow-up questions, um, please join us in HUG um, or or on the LinkedIn post for this episode. Uh, feel free to make some comments. Um, but we are, uh, of course, going to be following up or making available some additional resources in the show notes for this episode. But Nancy, if anyone has any questions for you, how can they contact you? How can they reach you?
2: Yeah, so they can find me on HUG. I am there. But I'm always open to emails as well. So uh, my email is nhallbeck, H-A-H-L-B-E-C-K at hirelogic.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on there with accessibility and happy to send over tools, resources, advocates, anything that an organization needs. And I'm happy to share some resources.
1: Thanks again, Nancy. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Member Engagement Show. We'll see you all next time.
0: Thanks for listening. I have some exciting news to share. I'll be launching an association newsletter early in January, and you can be one of the first to subscribe. It's called AMP Association Marketing Pros. Want to be in on it? Grab the link from the episode notes.